You're listening to Body of Work, and I'm Hannah Mooney, here to bring you stories of movers and shakers in the sports, fitness, health, and food industries who are known for their bodies. Each episode is a chance to dive into the backgrounds of my guests to discuss how their views on their bodies, athleticism, self-esteem, and more have shaped the person they are today. Many of these stories are those of success, but we don't only focus on the bodies they have. More importantly, we focus on what made them. What was the work it took to get there? And what was the mindset to stay great? Motivation matters most. And so what motivates the people we admire most to stick with the things that make them great? Well, find out here. None of my guests just have a body. They put in the work for all of it. Today I'm on with Sean Cheshire. Sean, welcome. Hi, good morning. It's like Cheshire, like the cat, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we met, it was in Hermosa Beach at F45 about a month ago. And we were in a workout and I was there with my fiance. We had tried to get a workout in every day that we were visiting. And I went to start the class and I saw Sean, you know, off with um, some of the trainers and everyone got started and she had a vest on and I didn't see what it said all through class. We were halfway through and I turned to the the girl at the front desk because I like to cheer for people and ran to the girl at the front desk and I said, hey, who are those who are those two girls? And she said, those, that's Melissa and Sean. So as we're going through class, I'm like, yeah, Sean. Yeah, Melissa, you got a girl. And then <laughs> turned around and your vest said blind on it. And I remember thinking, this woman is smoking me in this workout. <laughs> and, and I was like so taken aback. And it actually was, I was really struggling to get through the second half of the workout. And having you right in front of me was such a motivation. And so that that's why when we saw you at the breakfast burrito place, because that's how everyone feels after a workout. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I pulled you aside. So I'm really glad that you were able to to talk to me today, because I think it, it would be, you know, really important for my listeners to hear your story. So I know that was a long tee up, but Sean is an adventurer and an athlete. Um, she happens to be blind. That's not the the only thing about her. So Sean, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the place that you are now? You know, just just anything to help us understand who you are. Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I am 43 years old, almost 44, and I have been completely blind almost seven years. My blindness is a result of multiple head trauma, so multiple brain injuries. I served eight years in the Army as a helicopter mechanic, and um, I was injured uh, while active duty, though I'm not a combat veteran, and uh, got out of the military, honorable discharge, went back to school, um, became a paramedic, volunteer firefighter, and I was uh, working in the back of an ambulance one day when I was knocked off my feet. I don't, I don't remember the day. I have a complete memory loss um, around that, but I had a partner and a student that day, and I fell in the back of the ambulance and sustained another closed head injury, and the result of that brain injury uh, took my vision. And so I've been 
I was uh, almost blind, severely legally blind for about two and a half years, in complete denial, still trying to drive my car, <laughs> working part-time as a paramedic thinking, you know, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, everything's going to be fine. And really what was happening was I was losing my vision. And, you know, it kind of took me walking into a wall at the doctor's office bloodying my nose for everyone to be like, all right, we've been waiting for you to figure this out yourself, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're going to have to make some changes and, you know, come to an acceptance that you can't just keep going like you're going. And, and I went home, I hid in my house for like six months and tried to kill myself twice and just angry and bitter and feeling hopeless and defeated. And, um, I, I, I really am thankful for the people that were in my life through the VA and, uh, team red, white, and blue, you know, I ended up getting connected with them and just people really just constantly showing up at my house, uh, trying to get me active, uh, interested in something, uh, to just help spark some change. And, uh, I, you know, it was the first time I'm not um, a cyclist and I mean, I've never been when I could see, I never even rode a road bike before. And typically if I was on a mountain bike and had to go up a hill, I was walking it, not riding it. And, um, you know, I, it, it took some, you know, people believing in me to say, Hey, why don't you try this? And one of the things I tried was getting on a tandem bike. And that's kind of what, you know, it was, it was at that moment in life, I mean, I was angry, miserable, ungrateful. And I was just like, man, you either need to be successful in taking your own life and be done, or you just really need to pull your head out of your rear end and be someone you can be proud of. Because the mere fact I was going to bed every night and just really ashamed of how I treated people and where I was, was, it was just, it was hard. And so I had to make a decision and the decision I obviously made was to become someone that I could be proud of. And, you know, my, my motto is to live by example. So that, thank you, first of all, for sharing all of that, because that I think is so incredible to watch. You know, I think that there's a lot of people when they hear, oh, she's a blind athlete or he's a blind athlete, that, that, that was something you were born with. Right. Um, so you went through a very distinct time in your life, like almost 40 years, well, 35 years mm -hmm. where you could see. And so Correct. you, so there were 35 years of experience where you could see, and now, you know, seemingly three to four years in, it was pretty devastating. Um, but you making that decision, you know, there are some people who don't ever make that decision. You know, they, they say, you know what? This got taken from me and I, you know, nothing will ever make me as happy again. And so hearing you talk about that with such authenticity and candor, I think is super important, especially because anyone, anyone would feel the types of feelings that you felt and not being allowed to feel those things would be so horrible um, when something really traumatic has happened to you. So thank you for sharing that. When you say that you made the decision to be someone that you were proud of, was there a conversation with somebody or was it just one day you woke up and you were like, I, I got to <laughs> shit out or what was it? 
So the couple months prior to that, I had been involved with Team Red, White, and Blue, and, and their purpose really is to connect with um, veterans and military to help them uh, make that transition back into society through um, exercise or activities or sports. And, and you know, it was my group of um, support from the VA hospital, the low vision clinic. It was just, it was, everybody just kept showing up excited about me and I was not excited about me and and I didn't really understand it at the time. And I think initially I, their excitement made me more disgruntled. Um, and it, it really was going to the Olympic Training Center for that first uh, cycling camp on a tandem. And my pilot, he took vacation from work. He lives in Pennsylvania. And he was so excited to meet me. And he was so excited to get on the bike with me. And he knew my – he knew – you know, the basics of my story and how I came, you know, to, to that camp. And I didn't sign up for the camp. I, uh, a good friend of mine who, um, is now helping me with my non-for-profit, he, he found me in blind rehab and he, you know, he, between him and the recreational therapist, like they, they did my application, got my grant for all my travel, I mean, they made that happen. I just showed up and, uh, and this guy was so excited and I just showed up every day and I was just like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, and get happy all the time. I <laughs> know. Right. I was just like, ah, oh, this is terrible. And it just really dawned on me there because my roommate, um, at this camp, she is completely blind and I believe she is congenital blindness her whole entire life. And, um, and she was just, and that was the first time I've, uh, I really had close quarters with someone who was also blind and, and it really got me thinking cause we're all different and I just would pay attention to some things and I just like, you know, Sean, like you are wasting people's time. Like he, these people do not deserve to have you mistreat them and, you know, show up with attitude. And it was really at that camp that I, I would just remember taking a shower and going to bed that night and crying myself to sleep thinking, man, you, you need to do something. Maybe it was my higher self trying to just poke me and prod me like, Hey, you're better than this. Um, cause it, it wasn't really someone talking to me. It was really me talking to me cause I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable in that space of being that. And, you know, I, and so it was like me talking to me and having to come up to, you know, coming up with that conclusion of, okay, one way or the other, but you need to choose. And that's what I did. I showed up to the group ride in the morning the next day by myself, trailed down the wall, the hallway, went outside and I was like, all right, let's do this. Nice. So tell me about, you know, there's kind of a March point in time when you made a decision to, to really like lean into Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, try something new, um, mm -hmm. whether it's having a better attitude or a new sport or, you know, there, it seems like it was kind of a confluence of things, but before that, you know, the, the mental health piece of an injury, especially a sustained chronic, um, kind of life altering injury. Um, I would imagine that that is something that, you know, in your thirties, you never thought you would have to deal with. What do you think is 
you know, not just for you, but for other folks who go through something that changes their life, like what happened to you? What is your best advice? Oh, my goodness, because that's not a hard question. (laughs) I, you know, I really, for me, being proud of who I am, uh, being, I I didn't, I did not want to be that person in the room that everybody's like, oh God, here she comes. Um, It can always be worse, Sean, or, you know, just everybody feels like they've got to give me a kick. And because I think, I don't know where I learned it in my childhood. I've always been very resilient and, and maybe that was just the, the most of, of what caused me to make that change. But I, I always say, I, I mean, I meet a lot of people who have different um, challenges either born with, or, you know, it's happened later in life. And I just always encourage them to, to just really dig deep and to think about who it is that they want to be, who, who, you know, if they were gone tomorrow, what do you want everyone to say about you? Like what legacy do you want to leave behind? And just uh, always make your choices every day to be someone you can be proud of. And, and I think really for the most part, that was like, that was like the thing for me was to be proud of who I am. Yeah, I love that. Well, and you also look at how what you chose to do with your career, like somebody with that attitude definitely goes into the military. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Be- yeah. I, company are, are you talking about the cycling career? Yeah, I'm basically saying like you're the extension of. OK, so like if I'm, you know, I had a whiteboard in front of me, I'd be drawing how the you know, the trajectory of your professional life went from being in the military, which is, you know, the the cornerstone of service to being an EMT, which you're, if you're not in the military, that's the second best way that you can help people. Right. Um, And then you sustain this pretty critical injury that could have just, that could have, you could have dropped off the cliff of serving people and being proud of yourself. But instead you have this like little tiny hiatus where you like try to decide who you are. And then you get into your sports career, which is takes on all the same characteristics as your career before, just in a different way. So talk to me about that. Like what is, how is making that transition from the military and your EMT career to sport? Oh, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, if anything, I think I still struggle with that connection because I feel like I'm not able to help uh, like I did before. And I was obviously um, about helping others and, and it's, so it's different now, even though I do have people that point that out to me on a fairly regular basis that I'm still helping, but it's so different that I have a hard time connecting that and really feeling like I'm still helping people. I mean, cause I, I'm not like in your face, social media, I'm not, and maybe I should be, but it's so hard. I could just, it's just frustrating and I don't even really think about it. I just, for me, it's like that mentality of every day, just getting up and just living by example. So that way, if my path does cross with people and I have an opportunity to connect with them, that I am living and I am doing. Um, And so when you live on that scale, you don't really get the sense that you're, you know, 
up close and personal in public service like I was before. And so I do have a little bit of struggle there to just keep reminding myself that um, that I am. I just feel like it's on such a smaller scale, <laughs> believe it or not. I, and it probably sounds silly, but that's very much how I feel. Well, it's really interesting because it's actually, you know, and obviously completely respect your perspective that you don't feel like they're the same. The where I was coming from is thinking about it's it feels so much more personal. Like when I see when I see you doing what you're doing in the gym, like the even talking about it right now, I like get super choked up because I was like, how on God's green earth am I trying to bow out of this workout and she's not stopping versus being in the military where you're with a big, huge group of people. It's you are part of a unit. Mm -hmm. I but I like watching you as an individual in your vest at the gym in, in a seemingly normal environment, like just <laughs> pretty basic. Like everyone's waking up. Some people were super hungover. Some people were sunburnt. Some people had, was their first workout in a year. Like, but it was, you were part of that and mm -hmm. were just so resilient in those 45 minutes. And so th when I say it's an inspiration, it's really because you of exactly what you're describing it's you're just being an example that you would want to have or you'd want to be to somebody else and that's why I think it's really inspiring so as you go and do you know I'm looking at all of your accolades all the things that you've accomplished in mm -hmm. like the most recent thing that we talked about over burritos was <laughs> was your most recent feat at the Grand Canyon so can you tell everyone about that Oh, yes. Well, I, I sustained a, um, a really bad concussion while training. And I, um, that was so Grand Canyon was October last fall. And earlier in the year in March, I sustained a concussion that took me out of racing for the summer. And I was really struggling with, uh, cause I very much have used cycling as a focus, you know, get out of bed, take care of myself, work hard, big goals. And I was like, well, you know, is this, should I retire? And, you know, my, my TBI doctor's like, you got to think of quality of life. You can only hit your head so many times. Things really change every time you do. And I'm like, uh, so I have, I've, I've really never hiked. And I decided to go on a women's retreat, uh, thinking I'd find all the answers to my life in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, which obviously did not happen. However, I got out there and I was so frustrated because I was like, holy crap, this is hard. <laughs> like, what, what was I thinking doing this? And I was with a small group of women and it was, uh, it was very much character building. And I absolutely learned a lot about myself, but while in the Canyon and on the way out, uh, I started thinking about the, our guide, one of our guides, Sarah, you know, she's always wanted to do the double crossing of the Grand Canyon. And my best friend, Jesse, we're always talking about, yeah, we should do it sometime. Maybe we'll do it where we go down, we camp and then we come out so that way it's not all one, you know, 42 miles. So we started doing some research uh, about, you know, what the, what, what blind people, individuals, men, women have, uh, done that the double crossing of the grand canyon and you know we discovered that there has not been a blind woman that has completed the double crossing 
And the Dan Berlin, who had the current record of 28 hours, um, we thought, okay, well, let's try to beat that. If worst case scenario, I didn't know I could do it. And I, and I just thought, well, if anything, I'm going to be the first blind woman to complete it. That I know I can do. Uh, but I, you know, I had no idea whether or not we would beat the 28 hours. And so that was kind of like the mentality. And so we spent the summer planning it and, you know, we got a garment in reach. So we were receiving texts. We posted the link on Facebook and we had people texting us throughout the entire 24 hour hike. And, um, I went down with three sided guides and it was, we started at midnight and we finished 15 minutes after midnight, uh, the next day. So we finished it in 24 hours and 15 minutes. We definitely beat Dan's record Whoa. and it, and it was, and all I did to prep for it, cause people just, they contact me and they're like, what did you do to train for that? And I'm like, well, I did a lot of walking. And I did some trail walking when I could, and I hiked Mount Washington in New Hampshire, though I did not know that's what I was doing at the time. Um, and that's it. Like I just, it was time on feet. I used my cycling training for fitness and just, it was more, and really what it was is it was just another thing that I did that just uh, showed, I just sh proved to myself that my mind is far more strong than my body is. And that's, that's how I was able to do it. Um, and it was, it was incredible. Cause I had to tell you sometimes if I, I'm having a bad day, we made a 15 minute video of all of our GoPro footage and put music to it. A, um, a friend of mine made that video and I'll just listen to it and I get goosebumps and I'll cry, have a good cry. And it just kind of like, I remind myself what I'm capable of. And I'm like, Hey, you got today, you can do this. Oh gosh, Sean, that's so cool. That's so cool. So when people talk about the Grand Canyon, is it, um, a, so a double crossing is where you go from one rim to the other rim and then back to the correct. First. Okay. Um, was it, was it an even like 12 hour split between the, the two legs or no? Uh, you know what? I really don't know. I'm sure if we looked at the, um, Garmin mini that we had, for pinging the satellite. I'm sure we could go back and look at that. That's a good question. I really don't know. Uh, but yeah. that was hard. I mean, it was really challenging and I learned so much about my capability and, you know, where my weaknesses are and where my strengths are within myself on that hike. Yeah. So tell me about that. So what would you say is what's something you feel like you walked away and you're like, wow, I'm really good at this. Like what's a strength? Uh, so as a blind person on terrain like that, I had to stay 100% mentally focused that entire time. The one time that I let my brain take a break while walking, I, I stepped wrong on a rock and fell and banged my knee, which was very swollen and bruised by the time we got out of the canyon, though I had forgotten about it uh, until I was taking a shower that night. And I was like, it, burns or scrapes on my knee and then I'm feeling it's like ginormous I'm like oh yeah I fell <laughs> I forgot about that so it's just that one little distraction so the fact that I was able to stay mentally on for that amount of time just blew my mind I had no idea I was capable of doing that and but I also discovered that how vital you know to my safety and to me doing the things that I do that I do stay mentally on. And sometimes it's frustrating, but, um, that is definitely not an option. Like it's just something that I have to do. And, um, 
And in retrospect, I wish that I had, I was so focused in the moment and just really encouraging everybody, especially as everyone got tired, like one step at a time. That's all you have control over is one step at a time. And, and retrospect, I wish that I had been able to dig just a little bit deeper within that and also express joy more about what I was doing and what I had accomplished at that moment of that step. And, but I was just so focused, which is fine. I get that it was the first time I did it. So now I'm critiquing myself, but it was, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Yeah. I hear you on that. I'd be, I'd be really interested. I'd like hate being like, Oh, what strength do you have? And then being like, Oh, tell me about all your weaknesses. But what, <laughs> what is, what is something that you felt like it, let's say if you had to do it again, what's something that you know that you would have to work on? I would want to be able to be more present in the moment for the people that are there helping me instead of being so much in my head and so focused on every step that I'm taking. And I wonder, and, and I, and I really, I, I don't know. I mean, I have the feedback. This is opposite of what the feedback that I get is I probably should have appreciated them more verbally on the way, you know, especially on the way back than what I did verbally, but I was just, I was tired and very focused. And I, and I, I feel like I wish I had, I did a better job of that. I mean, they all know that I was, we were all tired and they know that I appreciated them, but I think that, um, I, I really think that in the moment that it's, it's part of the memory making and it's, it, it contributes to, well, like when you walk out of doing something like that, you know, you look back and you just think of like, despite how hard it was and how challenging and your body, you didn't want to take another step, but you took another step and, um, oh yeah, but remember when we did this and we laughed so hard because this was so silly. And, um, so I think maybe if anything, I wish there would have been, I, I was able to do that more. Um, but I'm sure there'll be a next time for something. <laughs> so I'm not really too worried about it. I will tell you this, the first, we got it on video. The first thing I said when we came out of the Grand Canyon, which really, really impacted me on an emotional level was you, is I say, believing in yourself goes a long way. And it was, that was what I, that was probably the biggest thing that I walked out of the Grand Canyon doing something like that was I totally believed in myself that I could do it. I didn't doubt myself and I did it. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's, uh, that's so cool. So, um, yeah. So now I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, the, what's coming up next. So cycling was really where all your records are. And now you have this record with the Grand Canyon, which is that like a world record? Yes. Okay. So you have, you know, a bunch of accolades in the sports that you do. Are you, do you plan on continuing to cycle though? Well, right now I don't have a pilot. Um, I have to have a pilot in order to race a tandem. And, and so I'm really trying to sit in a very uncomfortable place of not knowing if I will be able to connect with a new pilot or not. And I mean, the reality was, is that after the games next year, I was debating retirement because there are so many other adventures that I would love to do that you just really can't do when you're training and racing professionally. 
So I'm, I'm really just trying to, to sit and wait and see what happens, but also find ways to challenge myself during that time. So what other adventures do you want to do? Well, I contacted my guys that did the Grand Canyon with me. I said, okay, I'm ready for an adventure. What can we do short term that wouldn't take too much planning? And a friend of mine sent me an email and said, hey, you know, what about the JFK 50? And I've never run 50 miles before. Uh, And I was like, okay, so tell me about it. So he told me about it and I did a little bit of research. He emailed the race director and they were very excited to hear that I wanted to come and do their race. And they said they had a blind gentleman that has done their race before, but it was many years ago. Uh, and I take a guess like 1975, but it, I probably have the, the year incorrect. And he finished it in 10 hours, 45 minutes. And we we're like, all right, cool. And so we're, we've been chewing on that. And then I guess we got another email from the, the race director that said, from their research that they did, they have not had a blind woman that has completed that race before. And so, of course, Scott was just like, oh, wait till Sean hears this, because that means we're going to go do it. <laughs> so we're going to we're probably going to go and run this 50 mile race and uh, see if we can beat the 10 hour, 45 minute blind guy record. And uh, and so in the meantime, I am getting out and doing super long walks. Like yesterday I did an eight mile walk and just time on feet doing F45 training on my bike. Um, September I'm going to run a half marathon in Appleton, Wisconsin with a 10 year old girl. It'll be her first half marathon. And she, um, has an incredible story herself. Uh, so I'm excited about doing that. And then a week later, I'm going to run the marathon on the Berkey trail. I've skied the Berkey, uh, like, four months after learning how to cross country ski a couple years ago. So we're going to run the marathon on the Berkey trail. So you're going to be doing the, all of those this fall. And then is, you know, is there kind of a long-term like pie in the sky would love to do this one thing. It's just a matter of like time and place. Uh, so there is not just one thing. I have a a bunch of things that I would love to do. I mean, on my list of big things is the Marathon de Sobel, um, which is uh, a marathon a day for six days across the Sahara Desert. And you carry everything you need except for water. They provide the water. And I was asked to be a part of a Wounded Warrior small group that just did it this past April, but because I was racing the tandem, I could not do it. And, uh, but that is definitely on my list because from what we can tell, we've not had a blind person from the USA that has gone and done this race before. And so that's like a big one, but I would love to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And, and really, I just, for me, it's, it's really just a matter of connecting with people, finding adventures, you know, showing people that fear does not have to be a disabler and, um, you know, really how to learn how our minds are so much stronger than our bodies will ever be. And and so maybe there are some things that will come across my path that I am not aware of yet that um, I will face. That's so awesome. You had said something earlier 
um, you know, when you came out of the Grand Canyon and you said, you know, I'm, I'm just so proud of myself um, and I can do so much more than I think that I can, you know, that kind of confidence, it sounds like for a little while it got a little shaken and then you really just found it and you dig in on it. And that's how you're able to stay so excited about all of these feats and also how you're able to train because it's not this is like what I'm realizing talking to you is like it's not actually about the race itself because you spend more time in the training process which is pretty grueling from the sounds of it regardless of what you're you know training for but correct but what you're saying is like that kind of confidence is something that can pretty much comes in blankets everything that you do so instead of being like, well, I know that I'm a really good cyclist, but I'm not sure if I'm a good runner. I'm not sure if I'm a hiker like that. It doesn't really even matter. It's it's more about like, you know, that you can do something. And if you put your mind to it, you're going to be able to do it. And I'd, I that I would like to say, like, I wish everyone was like that, but it's actually mm-hmm. not everyone is like that. I know I'd, I've never been put in the situation that you've been put in, but I know that I I can do anything that I want to do and any sort of limit is, is on me. Mm-hmm. But what do you think it takes to get to that place for someone who hasn't lost their sight or who hasn't, you know, been critically injured? How do you think that someone could, could hear your story and say, man, I really wish I had that kind of confidence. Where would they start? <laughs> um. I think back uh, to when, to before I lost my vision and, and living as a visual person, working full time, you know, raising two kids and uh, just thinking about the obstacles of life like that. And then versus the obstacles of life after the loss of my vision. And I mean, to me, it's unfortunate that it took me losing something so great to really, you know, have this incredible attitude check about priorities and self-confidence and, you know, all the stuff that has come with, with this challenge. And, and I think about all the things that I took for granted as a sighted person. And, and it's that, you know, it's that mentality when you don't experience trauma that we find it so difficult to kind of step into this headspace of, you know, I can do this. Like, yeah, this scares me, but just because I'm scared, it's like changing your life. Like how many people do you know that are stuck and they have a million reasons to tell you why they're stuck, but they can't find a reason to believe in themselves to say, yeah, this is going to be scary. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going to step into this because I believe in this change is going to help me in, you know, whatever way. And, uh, and, and that was what it was for me. I, I think that maybe for people who don't have a loss of vision or, you know, some kind of challenge that has changed their life, that it's really just a, it's, it's really just this complete change on how you look at things. It's like taking an inventory of your life and recognizing the things that you're proud of, the things that you question. How do you deal with fear every day? Where is your self-confidence? Do you believe in yourself? How can you 
do things differently to build that self-confidence. And, and, and honestly, part of this big challenge of mine was really discovering that I had the control and the power to do this myself, to build self-confidence, you know, to conquer fear. It didn't, it wasn't about someone else helping me. It was about me helping myself. And, um, and so now I just have to have the courage to step into vulnerability, to be able to share my story and be at certain places with people that are struggling or they just need someone, you know, at that time. And then just, constantly reminding myself every day that despite this overwhelming fear of not being able to see and all these things, you know, moving parts of the world that I'm, I refuse to let fear cripple me. And, and I know it's kind of more of extreme because I'm blind and there are a lot of people that are not blind, but if you think about it, it doesn't have to be about blindness because fear cripples most people every day in various ways. Yeah. I hear you on that. That's like, I know I, you know, did have never lost my vision, but that inventory piece that you were talking about, like doing an audit on your life, I've definitely done that. Um, and it completely changed how I did everything. And you kind of look at yourself like that was 2015 for me. So before that, doing it and then after that, it's like two different people. And that's awesome. And really you know, for anybody else, I think, and this is, this is not unique to me. I think it's like this for everybody. Like I know there are people in my life that have done the same thing. You watch athletes do it. You even watch sometimes your parents do it. People joke about midlife crises, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I think regardless of when or how you do it or really what spurs it on and what the catalyst is, like that kind of decision-making process can change the trajectory of your life. And I know for me, the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is because there are people out there who have an attitude that other people just don't understand. Um, right. But to someone like you, it's like, you don't know how to be any different than that. For me, I don't know how to be any different than this. For everyone we've interviewed, uh, those people right. don't know how to be any different than what they are. And I think instead of you know, creating a life where you're like, wow, I really wish I could be like that. What you're saying is no, but you can. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I used to be that way. I used to be not like this. So I've, I've lived that way when I could see my, you know, I was a very different person. Yeah. And how do you, you know, how do you reconcile that? It's almost like, you know, waving to someone that you used to know and be like, I really appreciate you, but like, I'm, I'm really glad that I am who I am now. So I, I am thankful. I mean, I get asked the question all the time, if I could go back in time and the accident never happened and I continued on my path, I was on being a you know, paramedic and, you know, would I, would I do that? And I am very confident in my answer of no, because I would not want to go back to being and living who I was before this uh, loss of vision. And, um, and maybe in the beginning, I didn't really understand this about myself. And it's probably been within the last three to four years that it's really been resonating with 
I really like who I am today and I know myself far better today than I ever have. Um, and, and I just accept that and the, and the sadness that comes along with it because the sadness is there, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't overpower everything. I really appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's a pretty big statement to say that you wouldn't change yeah. it. Yeah. It's the truth. Well, yeah. And that's, that's, I, I think I couldn't have predicted that you would have said that. And that's uh, that. I just really appreciate that. So, you know, you've got this 50 K coming up. You are trying to see if you have a pilot for a tandem, but for right now, mm-hmm. you've got all these other things on your agenda, you know, in the immediate future, what do you have going on the rest of the summer? I am taking a trip to Europe for the first time that has nothing to do with cycling and all about vacation. So I'm excited about that. I don't know what that's going to feel like. Um, (laughs) I'm used to going everywhere with my bike. I, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm exercising, training, walking, hanging out with friends. I just got my first tandem that's for fun and not for training. So I have a beach tandem cruiser, which is beautiful. So I'm going to go see if I can solicit people to ride the bike with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, see if I can at the beach, I would do it. That's oh awesome. yeah. See, oh, come back. I'll ride with you. Yeah. Just, um, just really taking the time I do. I write. And so I, I'll spend a lot of time and I I'll write and just a lot of things that when you're in race season and you're busy training and traveling that you're really too tired to do, just being thankful for the time that I have. Well, that's awesome. And from the sounds of it, very well deserved. Thank you. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. If we want to try to learn more about what you're up to, is there a site or is there somewhere on social media where we can follow you? Yep. My website is seancheshire.org. And my Facebook is under my name, Sean Cheshire. And then my Instagram is choosing to see. And I think everything somehow is linked. If you just went to the website, there are links to my social media. And apparently I have a Wikipedia, which I had no idea, but I've got to check. I have to check that out. I have no idea how accurate it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you've reached a point in life where you have a Wikipedia page. So that's step number one. Oh, I, I know. I'm so popular. <laughs> so popular. Okay. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the line. It's been awesome to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so happy to have met you. So there you have it. Another amazing story from someone committed to what they know will make them the best version of themselves. It's not magic and it's not superhuman power, but it's also not rocket science. To do the work, you have to want to do it. So tell me, what's your mindset? Talk to me about it on Instagram at Body of Work Podcasts, all one word. Till next time, let's get to work.